Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. In the murky depths of the darkest part of the ocean, Black Manta cuts the water in front of him as he travels to his target. The ultra-precious Moonstone Pendant just washed ashore on a remote island, and once he located which island it was, nothing in the world will stop him from reaching his prize. It is then that Manta got to the small island and located the treasure. Unfortunately for him, it was held in the hand of Aang, the last airbender. Hand that over, Manta shouts out, but Aang just pulls down an eyelid, sticks out his tongue, and says, I got here first, so this jewelry is mine. Finders keepers, losers weepers. Black Manta could feel his nerves twitch with anger, and he knew there was only one way he was taking his treasure home tonight. It's air versus water. It's Avatar versus the Fisher King. It's Aang versus Black Manta. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. In today's matchup, it's another classic Who Would Win battle, where despite the fact that both characters are so very different, the battle itself kind of makes a lot of sense. Emphasis on kind of. In one corner, you have Aang, the last Avatar, Nickelodeon's breakout fantasy character who mastered all four elements and brought peace to a war-torn world. And in the other corner, you have Black Manta, a longtime DC Comics villain who uses advanced technology and his ultimate thirst for revenge in his attempts to destroy Aquaman. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And I really couldn't believe this. This one would kind of really, really surprise me. This matchup, as crazy as it sounds, actually has been discussed quite a few times. We thought we had another really? unique battle. Yeah, it was crazy. We really thought we had something special here. It will be because it's the Who Would Win show. But it's actually been discussed quite a few times, especially over the last, I'd say, five years or so. Just absolutely crazy. But it's never come to a decision but it's never come to a decisive decision or conclusion until today. Ray, I got to find this out. What are your thoughts on this matchup? I am intrigued by this matchup. First off, I do want to say this is a patron's choice episode. You can go to patreon.com who would win show patreon.com slash who would win show and you can join in the five dollar category and once a month we allow the people at home to pick a character that will appear on the show that month we put the list out there it was very very close but at the end black manta was the winner and so here he is and when it comes time to face him uh ang the last airbender i believe went up against storm uh so this is a redemption match 
for Aang. Aang should have won that match just straight out. Uh, that was yet another time that I believe Marshall Givens went the wrong way and made a bad decision in James's favor. It's basically every time he's been on the show, what can we possibly say about it? So as much as I would be rooting for Aang back then, I will be going the opposite direction today because I deserve to shut this character down once and for all and do it with a villain that honestly I didn't know a lot about coming into this battle. He's awesome. Black Manta is fascinating, and apparently he was in the new Aquaman live-action movie, which I very famously quit halfway through because it was boring. Wow. Okay, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said there. And I'm not going to do it because we got something to talk about today, Ray. Every once in a while, Ray, you bring up these, uh, you know, really cool reviews that we get. And uh, you brought to uh, the whole team's attention today, hey, we got another cool review. I went there. We actually have a, a bunch of new reviews. And I can't thank the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, enough for doing so. Listen, we read all of the reviews. You know we interact with you on social media. So anytime you put something out there into the ether, into the internet, we're going to check it out and read it. And today, I want to bring three of our new reviews to the public, and I want Ray's reaction to each of them because I think they're absolutely brilliant. The first review, Ray, if you're ready for this, reads as follows. Pay Robert Clark Chan whatever he wants. Make him a permanent judge. James should be winning way more. Ray, what do you think about that review? It was a five-star one, by the way. I like the five-star review before that better when it said, stop bringing Robert Clark Chan on the show. He never listens to Ray. Ever. That one made a lot more sense to me. This other one does not track. All right, that's fair. We can agree to disagree as usual. Let's go on to the next one. This is from someone called James for President. I'm liking this already. James is the best part of who would win. Still love you, Ray. James for President, Ray for VP. You know, that's actually the uh, best review I think my mom's ever given me. I'm pretty sure mom uh, wrote that, but I'll take it, by the way. Ray, what do you think of that as a presidential ticket? Me as president, you as VP. I'm thinking we take over the world. What are your thoughts? I, I don't hate this idea. Everybody knows from previous administrations that the VP is actually the power behind the throne, the one who actually makes the decisions. Okay, last one. It's from Love Who Would Win. So that's a good start. This is the best versus type of podcast out there. Ray is crazy angry, and James is super funny. My favorite thing Ty listened to in my car. I guess he's trying to say to listen to my car. Thank you, uh, Love Who Would Win. Uh, this podcast is also my favorite thing Ty listened to while I'm in my car as well. Ray, what do you think about that review? I thought that was very kind of them. I think anybody who gives us a five-star review is definitely going above and beyond. It's the literal bare minimum you can do as a fan of the show. There is one I would like to read, only because we were challenged to read it. Uh, it says, read my review on air. Now, normally I do not take to uh, threats. I do not take to direct orders. Ask any boardroom we've ever been in together. I don't respond well to that, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is from Owen from Bellingham. Oh, are you Owen from Bellingham? Very delightful to meet you. What he says is, love your guys' podcast. I listen to it daily. Great job. Whether it's a new episode or an old one, every episode makes me laugh, especially Ronald McDonald versus the Burger King. Fantastic episode. Good call out. Your guys' show is super awesome, and I try to share it everywhere. Great job with that. Please read my review in your next episode. We didn't do that. Uh, but we we did it two episodes after he posted it, and that's going to have to be good enough. That's why you don't try to tell me what to do. <laughs> I mean, from your parents to your kindergarten teachers, no one puts Ray in the corner. 
Ray just doesn't uh, deal well with authority. That's 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 true as well. Listen, we love the reviews. Keep them coming. Ronald McDonald versus Burger King, an all-time classic. It's right up there with uh, Muppets versus Sesame Street, which we'll be doing in a future episode in the Who Would Win show. Ray, we had a vote on that in the Who Would Win production team. You didn't make it, but the vote went through, and it's a thing now. Look, whenever you want to write a review, please do it. Just a couple of conditions. Number one, make sure it's a five-star review, out of five stars, if you will. And uh, mention my name and how much you love it. And Ray is here, too. Feel free to bring him up. All right, now. Now, that was all good stuff. But speaking of really good, no, great things, it's time to introduce our guest judge, making their second appearance on The Who Would Win Show. You can see him in the upcoming indie film, Every Other Animal. It's one of the stars of Sharknado, if you can believe it. It's Steve Moulton. Steve, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back. It's a <laughs> pleasure it. to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you back on the show, by the way. Listen, uh, see, before we get into what's going on, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. You know, it's funny you should ask, because what you've been up to is actually the title of my podcast, and I haven't made an episode in a very long time. <laughs> but other than that, wow, what have I been up to? Well, you know, as a member of the Screen Actors Guild, I'm on strike. Yeah. Uh, yet a few workable auditions have rolled in, so I've been taking care of those, and then you know, doing the day job and hunting for a better day job and trying to keep up with entertainment. There's so much entertainment to keep up with and failing to keep up with a lot of that entertainment. I totally forgot <coughs> Blue Beetle was in theaters. Completely spaced on that. Shame on me. Oh, does that count as a promotion? I hope not. I'm not in it, so it shouldn't count. I think that's about it, you guys. That might be all I've been up to right now. Well, Just see, trying, you know, trying. Steve, here's the thing. You know, you're involved in a lot of great stuff. And, you know, I want to zero in on Sharknado for a second. Your performance in uh, Sharknado was fantastic. It was so great that they evidently re-released Sharknado, you know, after 10 years because of your performance. This is a huge responsibility for you to upkeep because, you, first of all, you can't promote it. And secondly, you're in it in a very big way. I mean, how do you handle something like this? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you by how I... I handled it as it came at me. I learned about it just a few days before it was about to hit theaters again. And then I, uh, I was emailed and they said, Hey, would you like us to get you two tickets to one of the screenings? Uh, we're only screening it two nights, special edition. The, the visual effects have all been, uh, cleaned up and remastered and what have you. And they look a lot better. Do you want two tickets? And I said, I'd love two tickets. So then I, the two tickets were emailed to me and then I went and I watched it, and I had a great time. That's that's how I handled it. That was all I could do because the, <laughs> the notice, it was such short notice that there was no time to prepare. It was just like, whoa, it's coming? Or I guess much like a Sharknado. It just happens to you. You got to just decide if you're going to survive it or not. We could talk about this for hours, Steve Malton, Ray Sikanis, but we have a match to get to. So with all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the world of anime, the hero who's pretty much guaranteed to always be listed first, Aang. And representing DC Comics, the mercenary who hates Aquaman so much that he won't even order curry just out of spite, Black Manta. <sighs> There's layers to the to your to your to your intros, Ray. I really like that. Okay, well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules about who would win match. Rule number one: each debater will make three points. Rule number two: the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three: the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality. 
and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there's a lot of versions of Black Manta out there, a lot of really great versions. What version are you using today? Going for the comic book version. Uh, he did a lot of good stuff in the New 52, but we're just going to talk, generally speaking, DC Comics, Black Manta. A big fan, big fan. Because like I said, I, I did not catch any of his scenes in the new, uh, newer Aquaman movie because I realized halfway through I did not care, and so I quit. Interesting. By the way, how dare you bring up the New 52? You know, you know how I hate the New 52 and how that brings out a lot of bitterness and harshness, but whatever, you know, I'm going to take the high road just like Estelle Getty did all those years ago in uh, that movie Mannequin. All right, I will be going with the canonical, everything that's canonical to Avatar, you know, the last Airbender uh, series from Nickelodeon. Look, it's a magical series. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Go. I think it's still on Netflix. Check it out. It's absolutely amazing. All right. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give in less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debaters, whomever the judge decides, has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we go on, this year in season five of the Who Would Win Show, we've been encouraging our fan base, the Legion of Audience, to use the hashtag WWWFantasy to keep up with our Who Would Win Fantasy League. Here with an update on the current standings, our very own Robert Clark Chan. This is the final episode of season two of the Who Would Win Fantasy League. So coming into the home stretch, we've got a few Osserans, Devin Mathis, Sir Moxford, Tyler Morton, and Matt Allen are all scrambling to make it into the top five in the number five slot. Chris Christensen, number four is Josh, a.k.a. Lord Snurts. In third place, Gunnar Lauhofer. In second place, Christopher Van Ochten. And in first place, currently, with people nipping at his heels, it's Nathan Fair. Whoa. Fun fact, only one battle this season was unanimous amongst all of the fantasy leaguers. It was Indiana Jones versus Scarecrow. And indeed, every single leaguer chose Scarecrow. So uh, good job all around. New season's coming up at the beginning of Showdown September. And there you have it. Well done, Robert Clark Chan. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes and villains. Let's keep it real and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Black Manta. Black Manta is an aquatic mercenary and arch enemy to Aquaman. He was created by Bob Haney and Nick Carty and first appeared in Aquaman number 35 all the way back in 1967. There are several varied origin stories for Black Manta, depending on the telling, depending on the iteration, but all of them pretty, pretty much work out to go to the same place. A guy who has no powers on his own, but has a black wetsuit with an oversized helmet. The costume is where he derives his powers, though, because his costume gives him super strength, has advanced weaponry, the ability to breathe underwater, and he's always got that iconic fishbowl helmet with the two giant red eyes on it. I thought that what I saw in clips of the Aquaman movie uh, it actually felt like it was pretty respectable to the actual look of the character in the comics. And I, I, I wish I would have stayed around a little bit longer to see those scenes. Anyway... Fun fact, on the animated show Justice League Unlimited, there was a villain in a super-powered wetsuit with a big helmet that fought against the Justice League. His name, of course, was Devil Ray. Wait, what? Well, you see, the show wanted to use Black Manta for this character's role, but the studio, for some reason, didn't have any rights to the character of Black Manta. So they just got around it by ordering Black Manta from Wish and calling him Devil Ray on the show. Also, this version was Wonder Woman's archenemy for some reason, not Aquaman's. Why not? Later, Justice League cartoons figured it out, and they called him Black Manta, but for one series, he saw glory as a fellow Ray. 
And that is Black Manta. Is that why he got shot so quick? They're like, that's Devil Ray. And they're like, shoot him. Done. Existential. I'm just one. Just put that out there. All right. Here are the details for Aang, the last airbender. The character of Aang was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. Aang made his first appearance in the animated series Avatar, The Last Airbender, which premiered on Nickelodeon on February 21st, 2005. Aang was a cheerful and energetic boy born into the Air Nomads. Identified as the Avatar, he possessed the ability to bend all four elements. Overwhelmed by this responsibility, he fled and became trapped in an iceberg for 100 years. During his absence, the Fire Nation began a war to conquer the other nations. Aang was discovered and awakened by Katara and Sokka of the Southern Water Tribe. He embarked on a journey to master water, earth, and fire, guided by friends and mentors. Along the way, he faced challenges and adversaries, including Prince Zuko of the Fire Nation. The show's unique blend of Eastern philosophy, martial arts, and elemental magic quickly gained a dedicated fan base, and Aang's character became an iconic figure in modern animation. And here's an interesting fact about the last Airbender series. Did you know that there was one voice actor, one very important and big-time cultural icon who thought this series would be canceled very quickly? It's true. Look, there are many amazing actors who lent their voice acting talent to this incredible series, and all of them were super excited to be involved with such a groundbreaking show. However, one of the actors, that cultural icon I mentioned, if you will, thought the show wouldn't last long. And who was that actor? It was none other than Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. the Joker, Mark Hamill himself. And why did he think it wouldn't last long? It's because Mark Hamill thought The Last Airbender was just too intelligent for audiences. Luckily, audiences proved him wrong and easily kept up with the series, and the rest is history. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Steve, do you have any questions before we get started? I don't have any questions. I'm excited to see where this goes. Heck yes. That's the best I can do. I, I mean, you can't do any better than that. All right. Race to Canis. Let's do this. Hit us for your point number one. Point number one for Black Manta. Now, we're just going to talk about some of the basics, some of the basic underlying points about this character. First off, he is one of the best leaders and one of the best strategists that you're going to find in the entire DC universe. I was very surprised to find out that, like, when these supervillains, when Lex Luthor, when all these characters are trying to put together, like, evil teams, they always drop a call to Black Manta because he's a guy they know they can count on, they know that he's going to uh, he's going to be good. I mean, it's not gonna be good, but he's going to uh, he's going to get his station done, and he's also a leader of men. He founded an organization called the Nautical Enforcement of Macrocosmic Order. So literally, he founded Nemo. I'm gonna let you sit with that for a second. This is a whole group of, uh, it's like his version of, it's not like League of Assassins, but it's his version of underwater mercenaries, and he is the leader of this entire organization, and he tells them what to do, he tells them how to do it, and he's great like that. He's also a master of combat, he knows martial arts, of course, he's a master of all weapons. This is a guy who trained himself to use any kind of a weapon you could find, whether they be like future tech, whether they be bladed weapons, whether they be machine guns, Black Manta knows how to use them. His specialty, though, is fighting with bladed weapons. Now, that's something that with all of the fight scenes from Aang that I saw, I didn't see him fighting a lot of blade masters who could match him physically. And I believe that Black Manta has an advantage when it comes to this because, uh, let's face it, Aang is used to fighting people with power sets that he knows and understands. He's not used to fighting people with advanced technology. Would also point out 
Black Mantis has a genius intellect. He made a fortune treasure hunting around the uh, around the world. He also made all of his own equipment. None of this was purchased off of Amazon or the Target app. This was all scratch built by <laughs> Black Manta himself. So his super suit, which is one of the best super suits I think you're going to find. I mean, uh, that and Iron Man, I think are the two that I would put. It's on an Iron Man level in many respects, which I'll get to a little bit later. And that's why at the end of the day, Black Manta is known as the Batman of the sea in DC comics. His super uh, intellect, lots and lots of money, makes himself decked out even though he has no powers. He's able to fight people much higher level than he would be without all of his future tech. And I'm glad that James referenced it as future tech earlier in the episode because he invented it all. That's how far ahead of everyone else Black Manta is. He also has lots and lots of vehicles, whether they be aquatic vehicles, land vehicles. He's never usually found without some sort of a vehicle to, to, to match up against whoever he's fighting. He's also a master tracker. I would point that out as well. So he kind of understands the earth. He understands tracking. And so if Aang's not going to be able to hide, Black Manta will be able to find him. And the one thing I want to talk about here is his speed. Because he is exceptionally fast. The uh, Versus Wiki that I was looking at to prep for this referenced that he is faster than light. He has FTL speed. And I said, that doesn't make sense to me. Why? And their argument was, he matches up with Aquaman while he's underwater. Aquaman, as we all know, does have that kind of speed. Therefore, Black Manta must also have that kind of speed in order to keep up with him and even defeat him in hand-to-hand -hand combat, as has happened before. So even though he doesn't look it, this is a guy who tangles with the highest echelon of the DC universe, and I'm sorry, that's a level one or two or 30 rungs higher than anyone in Aang's universe. And that's my point number one. I mean, your your research skills are, how can I put this politely, going downhill fast. Let me, let me push back on a lot of this real quick. First of all, look, Black Manta is definitely a genius. He's a great strategist. But here's the thing. He's great at all that, and you definitely call on him. But he wasn't smart enough to see that when Lex Luthor called him in in the uh, injustice kind of thing that he was doing, they were fighting the version of the Justice League that was evil from Earth-3 or whatever, and Lex Luthor says, hey, Black Manta, we need you to be part of this. He comes in, and Black Manta didn't see the that uh, Lex Luthor would actually betray him later on and got caught in this weird trap and almost died, the whole good thing. See, Black Manta's great when he has time to prepare and his advanced knowledge of his opponent. Two things he won't have in a Who Would in battle. battle. Remember, it's a neutral location. No previous knowledge, no time to prepare. This is not something Black Manta is actually great at. If he did have that, he'd be awesome. Secondly, you know, when you talk about bladed weapons, yeah, Aang's faced a lot of people with bladed weapons. And he's also faced a lot of people with bladed weapons who can set the weapons on fire. That's the Fire Nation. That's what they do. There's a lot of weapons usage within um, the uh, last Avatar series. In terms of tech, you know, it's an interesting fact. Avatar was actually first considered to, instead of be taken sometime, you know, place in the past, was actually considered to be taking place in the future to have like a, a weird, you know, this is thousands of years in the future, whatever. But the producers and the writers said, you know what, with the weapons and the bending and all that, they actually can duplicate all of the capabilities of this higher tech we already laid out. So no, we'll put it like, make it look as if it's like ancient times or what have you. So this advanced tech will be awesome, but it's not going to be something that's going to throw in terms of capabilities Aang 
And then finally, in terms of speed, Black Manta, I do know this character really, really well. He can keep up with Aquaman in terms of speed underwater for short bursts or short periods of time. Extended periods of time, not something Black Manta can do in terms of keeping up with speed, never mind the power level of Aquaman. All right, all that aside, let me get to my point number one. And for my point number one, I'm just going to start with, let's just talk about the bending aspects of Aang. Now, bending is a central concept in Avatar The Last Airbender. It kind of represents the ability to manipulate one of the four classical elements of water, earth, fire, and air. And Aang is the only one who mastered all four bending arts. So first of all, let's talk about airbending. This is the style he was born into. Uh, he can manipulate air currents. This emphasizes agility and evasion. It's partially how Aang demonstrates his Spider-Man-like agility and movement because he uses air and air currents to help him move around, which is really cool. As an air nomad, again, this is his native style. It's really cool. He can use it to glide on his staff that has like the gliders on it so he can fly. He can create powerful gusts of wind. He can easily evade all these types of crazy attacks coming at him at high speeds from pretty much any direction. Uh, on top of that, with air, Aang was able to create a massive air sphere, almost like a shield, to protect, to protect himself and his friends from a massive volcanic eruption. That's pretty cool. He was also able to create a powerful air blast that destroyed a large uh, fleet of Fire Nation ships. These things were massive, huge, and he destroyed a fleet of them with a huge gust of powerful air. He can also do what's called water bending, and this is more graceful and you know really cool. It's control over water in all its forms, and by the way, that includes ice and steam, and he can create massive tsunamis, freeze objects, he can heal injuries somehow manipulate water for both offense and defense, which means he can shield himself from attacks and attack at the same time. He's kind of like Ray's favorite uh, Omega-level mutant Iceman. Uh, and remember, with these attacks, uh, <laughs> this is something he can do really, really well. If you're swimming in water, he can do whatever he wants to the water around you. You can solidify it. He can make the water come to life. It's really, really cool. He was able to create a massive wave, a tsunami, to defend the Northern Water Tribe from another Fire Nation invasion. It was crazy. He just dispelled it, just created a tsunami out of nothing. He was able to freeze an entire lake to trap an army of soldiers that were walking through it. Very, very cool. Of course, there's earth bending, one of my favorites. This is where Aang has control over rock, soil, other earth materials. He can use it to uh, create rock barriers, move large boulders, tunnel through the ground, sense vibrations. He can also shoot boulders and rocks as if they were launched from cannons, like projectiles. It's really, really cool. He can just point to it and point at someone, and they get shot at high speeds. And he was able to create a massive rock shield. He can uh, you know, create large fissures in the ground to stop people, make them fall into it, you can create earthquakes. This is crazy. And then finally, there's firebending. And firebending is really intense. It's aggressive. And this allows Aang to create and control fire. Now, a cool thing about firebending, unlike air, water, and earth, where you need to have those elements with fire, he doesn't need fire first to be able to do it. He can create fire, just create fire from out of nothing, and there it is. Now, with this, he can generate crazy heat, create blasts of fire. He can propel himself in the air, give himself additional flight capabilities. He can also use this, you know, again, this is an attack and defensive measure that you can use as well. And what's cool is that he just doesn't use this by itself. He can combine all the elements into different attacks. It's really cool. Now with fire, he was able to create a powerful fire blast destroying another fleet of fire. He just likes destroying fleets of ships. It's just a thing he likes to do. Uh, he can create a fire tornado. Not only can he create a massive tornado, he'll create a fire tornado. We're talking about sharknadoes. You know what's almost as powerful as a sharknado? A fire tornado. Imagine if you can combine those two things, you'd be unstoppable. Anyway, he can't. He can just create a fire tornado to dispel an army of people. That's what he does. Now, what's really important to understand, Aang's overall journey in the series is to master all four bending arts. It's kind of like the series' central plot. And don't forget, as we progress through the series, he gets better at using all of these earthbending you know, methodologies like martial arts training, and he learns how to combine everything together. So he's not just going to use earthbending 
And then, oh, no, no, he's going to combine everything like that fire tornado or water earthquakes, whatever he's going to do. He has mastered all four types of bending, and that's just the beginning part to out to Aang in this whole thing. All of that is my point number one. Okay. Okay. So Aang is a young guy, and he likes to bend things and merge elements. I will say I watched a lot of Aang fight scenes. It seems a lot of the time he first off leans on like a, a staff, uh, and he tries to fight physically before he really gets into some of the airbending. Uh, I did watch a scene where Aang was defeated by a bunch of guys with bows and arrows, for example. And they shot at both of his arms, so they pinned him to a log. He tried to lift up an ice shield to protect him from the water, and they just shot through that ice shield with arrows. And if arrows can be enough to bring down Aang at any point, the advanced future tech of Black Manta can do so much more. And what a great battle we have, given that Los Angeles just hit with a hurricane over the last weekend. What a great time to be dealing with characters that deal with air magic and water magic. Uh, thankfully, it was not a fire hurricane. That would have been too much to worry about. The other thing to bring up with Aang is that his attitude, his attitude as he goes along, not always someone who takes everything seriously. He doesn't always see the danger in something. And when you're facing a character like Black Manta, who would be quick to go for the kill shot and keep his day moving, Aang only has to slip up one time to get taken down by a character who's not afraid to, uh, he's going to take everybody seriously because uh, Black Manta is very, very intelligent against a young guy like Aang. I could see Aang seeing the giant fishbowl helmet, not really take him seriously, and getting getting a blade through the chest at some point. I could absolutely see that happen. Interesting stuff. I like where we're starting off with this, but you know, we got to find out what our judge is thinking. Steve Walton, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I'm frankly, I'm terrified. You know, the the math says, well, hey, a guy who can bend earth, air, water, and fire surely stands a better chance against anybody. But Black Manta does Manda. Black Manta does have a super suit. We know about that speed. If he's that fast underwater, just imagine how fast he is on the land. It's tough. It's tough. Mm, no, just at best it's it's a tie for the moment. I'm gonna have to hear points two and three yeah, it's tough. It might even it might it might be leaning towards Black Manta at the. It's also Black Manta's the OG. Aang's only been around for what eighteen years. It's a tough call, you guys. I'm glad there's two more rounds. I want to hear what you have to say, because I know I can't have a tie at the end of round three, and it's breaking my heart. I mean, if I read between the lines, I think you're edging towards Aang, which I agree with you 100%. But you're right. Let's go over the next two points. Let's see where this all lays out, and we'll we'll get to Aang winning at the end. Ray, go ahead, with all that being said, with your point number two. Point number two for Black Manta. We're going to bring it up because you know we're going to bring it up. His suit, his gear. This is where Black Manta derives his powers. And I know there are listeners out there who say, well, if you use a character's gear and, and outfits, is that really the character? Let's talk about the suit that Black Manta made for himself. First off, it's durability. This is one of the most durable super suits 
I've ever seen. It's been blasted with lasers. It's been hit with bullets and it just shrugs off all of that damage. He's been in hand to hand with Aquaman and Mera, who are two very, very powerful Atlantean characters, especially underwater where he fights them a high percentage of the time. And he takes hits and punches and shots and is able to tank them from Aquaman, who is ridiculous. Mera also has telekinetic powers that were unable to be used against the super suit. Why? Because it was too durable. Telekinetic powers just got shrugged off. And I think of that a lot when I think of a battle against a character like Aang, who's going to try to use maybe not telekinesis, but he is, you know, telekinetically manipulating the elements around him. And I see the super suit being very protective against any of the attacks that Aang could go. Let's face facts. Black Manta could go very, 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 very deep under the ocean, and that's the crushing force of the entire ocean, and it's durable enough to keep him strong against that. If you can survive with your super suit, the crushing of the entire ocean at its floor, a little bit of rocks and air and wind and fire are not going to do anything to you. So I don't see how Aang gets any damaging shots off at all. But he also has eye blasts, eye laser blasts that can like detonate buildings. They can kill mid-level super heroic characters with a full shot in the air. He also has jump jets. I know Aang does like to fly around. Black Manta can't naturally fly. But in a little lesser version of Tony Stark's Iron Man suit, he can do lots of jumps and change his direction in midair, and he's very talented with using it to fight people who are above the ground. Additionally, super strength. This is a guy who punches Aquaman, and Aquaman goes straight backwards every time he gets hit by Black Manta. Why? Because this is an impressive level of strength, again, that Aang is not going to be ready for. But he can also shoot harpoons from his arms, which can be used as a grappling hook. He can uh, make them electrified. Those electrified harpoons were powerful enough to KO Mera, uh, an Atlantean, you know, queen. Wow. He could also make the harpoons explode. Again, this is not a type of combat that Aang is ready for. Not to mention the electric gauntlets. If he gets his hands on you, if he grabs you, he can administer an electric shock that would easily take down a child like Aang. And the blades. He's a master of blades, as we talked about in point number one. These are blades that he made himself that pierced Aquaman's skin. Let me point out, Aquaman's skin is bulletproof. You can shoot a machine gun at Aquaman and the bullets bounce off. Killer Croc tried to bite Aquaman and broke all of his teeth out of his mouth. And these blades penetrated Aquaman's skin. He also has a bioelectric seal on the suit as well. More durability. It makes him immune to the elements. Bizarro used his eye beams to like make the water very, very hot that Black Manta was in. Black Manta did not feel a thing. And this is a suit that's airtight, even at a microscopic level. Very, very tiny shrinking characters couldn't find a seam to get in because the suit was repelling them. Again, what damage is Aang doing that he can't take? All of that, and the suit can also disguise Black Manta and put up like a vision field that makes him look like absolutely anybody he wants to. So if Aang like loses sight of Black Manta, maybe he goes under the water for a moment, he could change, completely change the way he looks, which is crazy. The helmet is gigantic, but it just looks like a normal person's head when this cloaking field is on. That's a way that Black Manta can get through Aang, who maybe isn't taking it seriously anyway, and he can get up close 
close, give him the electrified gauntlets, and Aang goes down for the count. And that's my point number two. So one of the reasons I love Black Manta is because he's he's someone who's figured out how to keep up with Aquaman, who's – I've always loved Aquaman. He's very, very cool, great character. But here's the thing. This is where you know the, the bending aspect of Aang is really, really different. So in Avatar, you, know, you don't have to touch the object. You don't have to touch water to control it. When you get really good at bending, you can sense where it is, what it's behind, where it where it's going to go. You know, someone's swimming through it, for example. And one thing that has been done on a lot of occasions to Black Manta is that he's been trapped or held in place. This is something that we discussed about Aquaman when he fought against what's his name from the Kira movie years ago, and that's that Black Tetsuo. Manta can ease. Tetsuo. Tetsuo, thank you. When he fought Tetsuo, Black Manta can be trapped. He can be easily held in place. If all of a sudden the water he's in is 100% in in 1,000 feet in every direction solidified in ice, he's going to be held in place at least for two minutes that you need to win the battle. Uh, If there's any water within there, if it's a it's spit as gross as that is. Remember, there's something called blood bending, where you can actually, if you're a waterbender and you're good enough at it, like Aang is, you can control someone's blood within their body. Well, there's water in the body too. He can control that and start causing all kinds of havoc. Shoot electricity or any type of energy blast at Aang. Well, thanks to the fire bending, I'll go into this more details later. He can actually absorb that and shoot it back at you. That's that advanced kind of training he's got with the four elements that he can use really, really well. And on top of all of that, the physical. Aang has enhanced physicals from the fact that he can do these the, the, the bending so well. I'll get into more of that as well in my later points. But facing off against everything, the impressive stuff, the, the durability, everything that Black Manta brings to the table in a very different variations or a lot of different variations and forms, Aang's actually faced everything you have discussed at least three to four times within the series. Remember, this is a four-year-long series or quest for Aang, and we're talking about Aang at the end of his quest where he's now got all this great bending and a whole lot more, which we'll talk about later. But with all that being said, let me get to my point number two. Let's get to some interesting stuff here. Now, I already talked about from my point number two, we already talked about the physicals. They're enhanced to superhuman levels thanks to his ability to use all of the bending of the four elements. But on top of that, so his speed's enhanced, his agility, his reflexes, his strength, everything there, even his durability is really, really there. Look, we're not talking about 12-year-old Aang who's first discovered you know, when he's frozen ice. We're talking about Aang at the end of the series where he's already gone through all of this type of training, and he's got this at his beck and call. Now, on top of that, he's accomplished a whole lot of other things. For example, he's a master martial artist. See, with each style of bending comes these cool martial arts movements, and there's styles within the actual bending style itself, and he's had to master all of that. As a result, he's now a combat master. He's not just an open-handed open, open or open-handed master, too. Oh, no, no, give him some weapons, improvised weapons. That glider he has is actually a bow staff. He is a master at using that. Give him anything, anything around him. Put him in a desert, whatever. He will find weapons to use, and he'll also be able to fight in whatever environment you put him into. It's something he's really great at. On top of that, his acrobatics. Look, you watch any episode, and Aang is just going, his acrobatics are off the charts. He can move. Again, the best way to describe it, it's almost like Spider-Man-like movements. I'm not saying he's at that level, but man, when you watch him, he is doing stuff that's crazy, and he's dodging everything. He's super hard to hit. On top of this, he's become this really insane problem solver. Now, why is that a thing in this fight? Well, that's because he's had to become very 
very, very creative and very resourceful. Unlike Black Manta, who's really shines when he has time and advanced knowledge and what have you to plan and prepare, you know, that two-week prep time that Batman has that Black Manta can do as well. Well, Aang can do that, but he's really great at coming up with plans on the fly because as he's traveling through his world, he's coming up against insanely powerful opponents that he had no idea he was about to encounter, doesn't know their power set, and has to deal with that and overcome with overcome that right then and there. This is something he's done against powerful opponents, super powerful opponents, monsters, huge creatures, and entire armies. That's what he does. He's a problem solver, and he knows how to kind of be insanely resourceful to get the win at the moment. Uh, now, on top of that, he's got these cool spiritual abilities. This is something, I think we saw this a lot in a similar way in the Black Panther movie, where King T'Challa kind of takes some, that, that medication, whatever it is, and the heart-shaped herb, and he kind of visits the elders of, of his, you know, patriarchy or of his society, whatever, you know, past kings who have passed away. Well, Ang could do something similar and actually consult with a past 182 avatars that you know lived before him which is really really cool so he can get this insane knowledge aspects you know whatever insight he needs he's got this kind of old school google type of information that can get downloaded to a matrix style very very quickly this is really cool and this is going to help him in a lot of stuff now here's a fun fact ang can kind of communicate call and summon animals this is a weird one it's a thing i don't think it's a full-blown aquaman calling sea creatures with his mind kind of thing but wherever he goes, he has this connection with animals. And if he gets in trouble, he can actually call on animals to come and help him. This is something that's been done a lot. Now, speaking of fun animals and big things, let's talk about Aang's secret weapon, his flying bison, Appa. This is really cool. Now, Appa is quite is, is very often sold in the same package of toys as Aang as a, as a you know figurine or a toy. This is called the race to Canis rule. And he's, to his thinking, which I love, <laughs> is if you want to say the vehicle is part of this character's you know, thing, then that vehicle has to be sold in the same package very often as the character itself. I believe he used Serpentor from G.I. Joe and the flying, you know, platform he did. Well, Appa is sold very often with Aang in the same package. So now it's a thing. Now, Appa is this flying bison. He's a sky bison. He possesses the ability to fly. And thanks to his large beaver-like tail and the airbending techniques taught him by the Aeronauts, he can actually use his tail like a weapon. He's enormous. He measures about 10 feet tall, 20 feet long, six legs, weighs 10 tons. And he's kind of gentle at first until something starts to threaten Aang. And then Appa is in there like a crazy, raged animal fighting for righteous reasons, destroying anything and anyone that gets in his path, or at least taking the damage for Aang until Aang is okay. Put all of that together... And good luck with that Black Manta is all I'm going to say. That's my point number two. Look, you can bring it on with that. I have no problem with you bringing that into the battle because one eye blast, laser blast from Black Manta's helmet and that thing, you said it was 10 feet. It'll be about five two feet sections by the time Black Manta is done with it. That thing's going to go down and Ang's going to get upset and he's going to start making mistakes. Please. And you talk about Aang fights people he doesn't know their powers all the time, but he does kind of know what their powers are. This is a world with a finite power set of, of the four different elements and the bending and all of that. So even if Aang doesn't know who these people are, he kind of has an idea what they're capable of. Unlike Black Manta, who's in the DC universe where magic is real and where high tech, a real Superman is somebody he has to worry about. So I actually give uh, Black Manta much more credit there. Also, the suit prevents 
telekinetic attacks. I would count bloodbending as part of that type of thing. That's why I was very specific to give that Mara example earlier, and I do think it's important. I don't think Ang can, can penetrate the suit with his abilities to do any inside he places damage to Black Manta. And also, Ang is a character, I'm glad you brought it up, he gets bailed out by his friends a lot. He often fights against people who he underestimates, who then turn the tables on him. He's trapped in a burning building under giant planks of wood, for example. And then his friends have to show up and bail him out of it. But he has no friends to bail him out today. Unlike that whole huge organization that Black Manta had to create for himself. Okay. All right. Listen, all of this is great stuff. But we're at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Steve tells us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Steve has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? This week, our patron of the week is the one and only Matthew Dawson. Ooh. Matthew just had the, uh, what is it, the Nightwing Year One show come out, the audio drama. I mention it because I am reprising my role as Batman. Batman on that show, and it's excellent. I listened to the first episode, and it was wonderful. If you are a fan of this stuff, you should go check out the Mortalverse, as he calls it, and find it on Twitter. We'll have links everywhere, but look for it. It's the new Nightwing show. It is great. I love it. Matthew Dawson's a stand-up guy. Okay. You know what? Let's throw a wrench into the (laughs) plan here. Let's have Matthew Dawson go up against, oh, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants. This is a tough order, even for Matthew Dawson. But the two of them are first off going to square off. Matthew Dawson is going to use his epic knowledge of the martial arts of karate that he saw on the uh, show Cobra Kai and practiced the moves at home a bunch of times. And he's going to start kicking and punching at SpongeBob SquarePants, which is going to be rough because SpongeBob is what? Like, like not even one foot tall. So a lot of the standard kicks and punches are just going to go right over his head. And SpongeBob is relying on that. SpongeBob then will put his thumb in his mouth and then breathe really big, becoming 10 times larger than Matthew Dawson himself. And this is where you would think that SpongeBob would take the battle using his epic tune force. But one thing that he didn't realize without any character knowledge, Matthew Dawson is Aquaman. He is Aquaman of the Mortalverse series of audio dramas. So he uses his powers of the ocean to flood the arena. That will cause SpongeBob SquarePants to be engorged with water unable to move, and regrettably, Matthew Dawson wins an incapacitation victory against SpongeBob SquarePants with the magic of the sea. This all tracks. If there's anyone who can pull out victory against a Toon Force-based character like SpongeBob SquarePants, it's Matthew Dawson. Congratulations, Matthew. Now listen, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. See, if you had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself, who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? First of all, that SpongeBob fight was too intense. Way too intense. Crazy. Right now... Man, I I really wish Appa had not been brought up, and I really wish Ray hadn't said Black Manta was going to just laser eye blast Appa. I almost said cute little Appa, but he's not very little. Because boy, oh boy, you're talking about you're talking about a pet, and it might be a warrior pet. But when I think about the bad guy hurting the pet, I get furious, and so now I'm very much rooting for Aang. And I really hope Appa doesn't even have to get hurt. But boy, oh boy, as a, as a very large man who was once just a small kid with a bow staff, 
playing around in my backyard, fighting imaginary bad guys. At the moment, after round two, Aang is ahead. Appa is, as far as I'm concerned, salivating, ready to bite Black Manta's head off. I'm afraid to see what's going to happen in round three. Oh, you have no idea. See, Steve, you and I are on the same page. You know what? It, it's I, after seeing the magnificence that is Sharknado and what you did as a cultural <laughs> icon. I just, I just knew that you and I had a lot in common. Would be best friends. All right, race to Canis. I know you're not down and out just yet. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. I just want to make sure that despite the fact you played with a bow staff in your backyard, Judge Steve, that you can still be unbiased in this matchup and still find it in yourself to give a victory to Black Manta. I want to make sure that you are an unbiased judge when it comes to the reality of this decision. I'm doing my best, but I don't like the idea of you saying that Black Manta was going to blast the great big dog with his laser eyes. So, look, sometimes there's casualties. Ang shouldn't have brought water pistol to an ocean fight, okay? Thank you very much. <laughs> now, let's talk about his big wins, his big feats, because Black Manta's known for one thing over and over again, tons and tons of fights against Aquaman. Now, let's remember, Aquaman is a guy who can hang with Wonder Woman and Superman in fights. Has he gotten wins over Superman? I can't say that he has. Has he severely hurt Superman in some of the fights that he has fought in? Absolutely. And if you can punch so hard that you can hit Superman and he flies backwards and he's upset about it, and Black Manta can hang with Aquaman in every single fight that they've been in and, in fact, beat him from uh, beat him a reasonable, respectable number of times, you have to understand that Black Manta is fighting on a whole other level than a child like Aang, even though he has a whole bunch of these elemental powers. I would also point out, he's beating Aquaman in the water. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Aquaman on land is one thing. Aquaman in the water is very much something else. And Black Manta's got those wins against Aquaman in the water. And even outside of his suit, Black Manta one time was taken prisoner. He was in a prison and he killed guards using coins. He had coins he picked up and he's slashing throats with the coins. That's the level of weapon mastery that I'm talking about with a character like Black Manta and great wins. He took out the League of Assassins uh, member, guy named Saladin, fought him in hand-to-hand combat, beat the living tar out of him, and took him down. One of my favorite Black Manta moments, he was fighting against Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and uh, uh, Amanda Waller all at the same time and beat every single one of them in a 4v1 scenario. Lest we forget, Black Manta's the guy who cut off Aquaman's hand in the comics. Do you remember that? When Aquaman didn't have a hand, so he had this weird fish hook for a hand for a while. Do you know why that was? Because bulletproof, indestructible Aquaman got his hand lopped off by Black Manta, a guy who is not afraid to go to violence first, second, and third out the gate every single time. But he's also merciless. I mentioned the poor pet and what would have to happen if the pet got in the way of Black Manta defeating Aang. Well, we could also point out the fact that Black Manta killed Aquaman's dad in some sort of a revenge quest. He did that. He also fought a character named Aqualad. Aqualad has super strength on par with Aquaman. He has Atlantean abilities of the sea. And I've never seen a more one-sided battle in anywhere except Black Manta 
destroying Aqualad. He, and this is not just a battle. This is Hulk Hogan versus the Brooklyn Brawler level of squash. He destroyed and dominated Aqualad. And what is Aqualad? Aqualad would hang with Aang, the uh, last airbender. Absolutely. He got one-sided destroyed. And as far as killing children, well... Black Manta killed Aqua Baby, Arthur Jr., in the comics as well. He's merciless. He will not pull a punch. But I think Aang would pull his punches. I think Aang, again, doesn't always take fights seriously at first. And against a character like Black Manta, that's a way you get your throat slit. And for a short period of time, Black Manta aligned himself with the Triumvirate of Sea Gods, and Fleet Admiral Tide gave him all of the powers of Aquaman. So that's control over sea creatures, control over the oceans, and that's some decent water bending of its own, quite honestly. And final thing, he also carried an item called the Black Pearl, controlling the oceans, etc., etc. Apparently Jack Sparrow didn't have it anymore. The entire point I have to make with all of this is that he's fought tougher opponents, he's fought more varied opponents, any type of elemental attacks aren't going to penetrate the suit, and even, like I'd say, okay, he gets encased in ice, he's got laser eye beams which will shred the ice, and super strength which will blow out the ice as well, not to mention the blades, not to mention everything else. This suit will get him through this battle, and his talent will win it for him, and that's my point number three. Lots to push back on this. Let me kind of start with this. Uh, no, he has not beaten Superman. Uh, he has not beaten Wonder Woman. He has hurt, and I'm talking black, about Black Manta. He did mildly, I guess, annoy Wonder Woman by blasting with his uh, eye beams from his helmet, and that kind of set her off. So that's that's the thing. You know, Black Manta was killed, by the way. I think he was killed twice, but at least killed once that I can absolutely recall. And uh, just one fact, Aang has uh, never been killed. Just a fun thing. Now, let me get to my point number three on all of this. And let's talk about the big feats and the big thing that Aang can do. It's called the Avatar State. So let's cut to the chase. It's time for Aang to go Super State. I actually mean it's time for the Avatar State. Now, what's the Avatar State, you may ask? Now, this is a super powerful state that the Avatar, in this case, Aang, can enter, which grants him insanely increased immense powers and abilities. Everything he can do gets increased exponentially in terms of capabilities. It serves as a self-defense mechanism and is tri triggered whenever Avatar is in grave danger or someone he cares about is in grave danger or is about to get hurt. Cough, Appa, cough, you know, the whole thing being split in two. And keep in mind, the Avatar state represents Earth's ultimate defender. The planet Earth says, I need the Avatar. You are the ultimate defender, whoever the Avatar is, in this case, Aang, when you enter your Avatar state. Now, what can he do? He can do energy bending. This is what I was referencing before. He's able to use energy, energy bending to not only absorb fire, electricity, energy blasts into his body. He can absorb them, shoot them back. He can also remove powers and capabilities from things. Can he remove it from Black Manta's armor? I don't know, because he can take away power sources, maybe. He's got that enhanced power as well. Everything he does, his physicals, his durability, his strength, his speed, all of the bending capabilities get increased exponentially. You know, things that would be impossible for him to do, now not a problem for him, which is really cool. He's got increased spiritual abilities. Now, all the stuff that was learned by the previous avatars before him now is downloaded into his mind at the same time. 
So he's just not increased physically with the bending as well, his own physicals, mentally speaking, strategy speaking, everything. It's all in his head at the same time. He's glowing all that, that cool arrow across his body and on his forearms. They start glowing this bright white. This person is going, you know, really, really, it's getting there in a really cool way. Uh, on top of that, he can transform into a giant version of himself in the avatar state. This increases his strength and durability even more. He's also got the avatar state blast. This is a powerful blast of energy from his body in the avatar state. This can destroy large structures, defeat powerful opponents. During a battle of Yudao, this is a really cool area within the, 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 the universe that they exist in, Aang managed to create a massive chasm around the entire city and kind of realm, effectively leaving it outside the reach of the Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom armies. In other words, he, I'm just going to blast this thing and separate it from the ground, this whole city. And it was measured at about 157 kilotons. Someone actually measured this out. It was really cool. And that's with him holding back because he had to be very careful not to hurt anyone as he did it. That's with him holding back 157 kiloton blast. He's got element control. This is something that's crazy. Now, everything he can do with the elements, he can do at the same time. He'll fly in a bubble of air, create five simultaneous plumes of flame, condenses stone, summons water from nearby bay, and surrounds himself in this shield made up of four elements. Very, very cool. Also, the stu- the, the, he can create ground swells that turn into living tendrils. The closest thing you can see is like, know, what's her name? Poison Ivy. When her huge plants come to life and they have the vines, have a mind of their own, they can be controlled by Poison Ivy and they can control and grab someone, hold in place to rip them apart. He can do the same thing with stone. This is really, really cool. Good luck with all of that. Now, let me talk about his big wins because this is really cool. There's a lot of wins he's got. Not going to lie. It's a great series. It's four years long, but there's two that really stand out. Now, the first one is against this being called General Old Iron. And General Old Iron is this powerful kaiju-sized godlike spirit who's huge, has control over earth bending, but really iron or metal bending. And he coats himself in this thick iron as he's kaiju-sized and uses powers and destroys like cities, countries, the whole thing. Aang goes up to him, creates a stone-sized kaiju-sized being to take him on and start fighting him and kind of holds him in place. And then the the, uh, general old iron says, I'm going to kill your friends. Aang goes into the avatar state and says, don't do it. I'm warning you. If you do this, you're done. I don't want to hurt you. And he's like, too late. And he starts to take a step towards him. And with that, he shoots an avatar blast that blasts a massive hole through the uh, general old iron's center mass. It was like a cannon got shot through this kaiju-sized thing. He hits the ground and realizes, I can't keep up, and just dies or dissipates whatever he does. But the really cool battle, it's at the end of the series. There's this main huge emperor, Palpatine-like villain called Fire Lord Ozai. He's the leader of the Empire of the Fire Nation. So he controls fire, right? He's a firebending master. Now, every once in a while, there's this comet that comes through and amplifies the power of the Fire Nation. People can amplify or use firebending. Well, with him, he became Lord Phoenix Fire, Lord Ozai, which meant his power got, in his words, increased a thousand times. And as he's taking him on with the powers, I should say, of a hundred sons, not a thousand sons, Aang not only defeated him at his own game, but used the avatar state to actually rob him of his fire bending powers as he was amped up a hundredfold. That is crazy. Look, here's the bottom line. Black Manta is going to be power, super powerful underwater, and he's actually pretty powerful out of it. But even with that, Ang could bend the ocean around him, crush him, capture him by manipulating water in any way he wants. He could mix air He could go into the Avatar state because you know he's going to do something to hurt his, you know, Appa and this whole thing. At the end of the day, Black Manta just doesn't have enough ways to deal with Ang. Never mind the fact that Ang just has way too many ways and experience and everything you want to call it from the Avatars from the past and his Avatar state to pull out the victory. That's my point number three. 
Okay, we finally got there. We got to the Avatar state. You mentioned that Aang hasn't been killed. Well, it's only because he's never met Black Manta before this moment. Let's put him in a neutral location and out of a show that literally has his name as the title. And let's get down to business because that's where Black Manta is going to get his win. Now, the Avatar state is, is great. The Avatar state lets him, of course, go to the past and future and use powers that he never even learned. And that's some very, very exciting stuff. I haven't seen anything done though that isn't something that Black Manta doesn't have an answer for. Black Manta in the DC universe has fought characters that have done a lot of those things before, but there is a massive weakness to going into the Avatar uh, state because the Avatar spirit can be harmed. The Avatar spirit can be taken down. If the Avatar is killed while in the Avatar state, the cycle would break and the Avatar would then cease to exist. Let's not forget he was once in the Avatar state, and he was mortally wounded by a lightning strike. Lightning strike. Did I mention all of the electrical, electricity-based attacks that Black Manta has? If a lightning strike can bring him down and put him in a coma for several weeks, I have to imagine the electric shocks that Black Manta can deliver could also do the same thing. So when this battle goes down, I believe that what's going to happen is that Aang's going to be a little happy-go-lucky and something bad's going to happen, whether his pet, unfortunately, takes a loss and has to get removed from the battle, or Aang himself suffers a grievous injury not taking Black Manta seriously. He will enter the Avatar state. Black Manta, again, hasn't necessarily dealt with that before, but he knows his electrical attacks can work, and since lightning worked, the electrical attacks will work. Aang goes down into a coma. Black Manta actually wins this fight. You're talking about the electrical attack that took place way before he fought Fire Lord Oza. I'm just trying to understand the timeline here. I'm not worried about your timeline, James. I'm explaining things that have happened to him that directly impact what could happen to him in this battle. If your argument is, well, I'm only talking about final day, final everything, uh, Ang the Last Airbender, where nothing could possibly hurt him at any time, well, that's ludicrous. Uh, every character can lose given the right circumstances, and I have clearly outlined a direct way from his own storylines where it could happen. All right, Steve Moulton, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Aang and Black Manta. This is this is tougher, so much tougher than I thought it was going to be. Frankly, hats off to the two of you, because this, this is like such a good, even match. Each character has an answer for everything the other character is going to do. I'm flipping out over here because, frankly, it sounds like a tie, but I know I'm not allowed to do a tie. And so I'm losing my mind right now, trying to stall for time and think of exactly who would win. Dang, this is real tough. Obviously, Black Manta's ruthlessness goes a hell of a long way among everything else he's got. Obviously, Aang's power over the elements and ability to go into the avatar state and being a little bit younger and having a essentially a bow staff kite that he can fly around on those go a pretty long way and having appa that goes a very long way but boy oh boy it's that's just it's heartbreaking because i almost think they they do that first square off and i'm inclined to think Black Manta just laser blasts Aang with his eyes immediately. And it seems 
it seems too easy for something like that to happen. Could Aang dodge it? Maybe Aang could dodge it. I guess it depends on how, how close they are, how unexpected or expected it might be. This is tough, you guys. Ray even mentioned how Black Manta's suit is so strong that even DCU's mightiest shrinky-dinky guys can't get in there. And that's that's just, it's like he's he's just playing too far ahead for everything. Hmm. All right. All right. Aang's got all the control of the elements. He could very easily just wrap Black Manta in a ball of water, freeze it, and blow him out into space. But I also think Black Manta just sees Aang, recognizes him as a threat, and I lasers him to death immediately. The question is, who's quicker on the draw? I think what happens is these two run into each other, I'm assuming on a beach or maybe some sort of Wonderland pier. And, you know, there's water nearby. It's good for both of them. There's a whole lot of sand and rocks nearby. That's really good. Really good for Aang. And we can assume that Appa's soaring around up in the sky, having fun with that beach wind. I think Appa swoops in, gives Black Manta a really good whomp down into the sand. I think Aang bends a great big wave down onto him, pulverizing him into the sand with the wave while also freezing it. And now he's got him locked up. I think Appa picks up the the frozen Black Manta in a big ball of ice. I think he flies him out past the horizon. He drops him into the ocean. Dark Knight Rises style. Appa gets the heck out of there. Black Manta thaws out in a few minutes, you know. Salt water, ice. Maybe maybe he's even able to eye blast his way out of there. But he's been removed from the field of battle. And I think Aang better be running for his life with the victory in hand. I think Aang would win. Unbelievable. This was crazy. This was way closer. I kind of came into this, I hate to say it, a little arrogant, a little too overconfident, if you will, in Aang's abilities. Ray did an insanely great job of repping Black Manta and brought a lot of great stuff to the table. Insanely good. I do think at the end of the day, when you got the Avatar state and everything else Aang can do and has experience, plus all of that Google-like knowledge he can download Matrix-style from the past 182 Avatars, I do think he has a definite edge over the first encounter. However, if Black Manta has time to prepare in a second encounter with advanced knowledge and can control the battlefield and understands all the aspects, I actually think Black Manta would win that second one very convincingly. Great job, Steve. I love the decision. I absolutely agree with it and respect it. Race to Canis. He did another amazing job debating this. It was insanely close. Came down to point number three, I think. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel right now. I'm disappointed. I felt that uh, I felt like I made every point necessary and every counterpoint necessary in order to win this fight. I think that the laser eye beams, uh, I think he would absolutely like shoot first, ask questions, never uh, and leave Ang uh, uh, down in the dust. Uh, without any question. I was a little disappointed in the lack of creativity in most of our audience members, but at this point in season five of the Who Would Win show, how can I possibly still be disappointed in our audience? I know who they are. I know how little they think, and I know what little creativity exists between the lot of them. I feel that they all thought Aang walking in would have an easy time of it, but there were a couple of Rainiacs. There were a couple hashtag awkward allies out there who saw 
the path to victory for Black Manta. I only wish our esteemed judge, Steve Moulton, was one of them. I feel that Black Manta won this battle deep down, and I have to worry about the inherent biases of our judge playing with a bow staff in his backyard <laughs> must have had on him while he was considering this final decision. Steve, are we meeting on Thursday to do some more uh, bow staff training? Yes, please. And please bring Appa if you have one. Fantastic. Was... I, have a bi- I have a big dog called Apollo. Oh, I mean, cool. that's kind of, I mean, That's hello. pretty close. Right? I mean, that's a thing. That's a thing. All right. Listen, Steve, you, you, you came onto the show for a second time. You outdid the first time, which was incredible. And you told a great story. This was painful for you. I'm watching your facial expressions, you know, as you're doing this. This was not an easy thing for you to do, but you did the right thing. You made the right call. I think it was fantastic. With all that being said, please come back for another episode of Who Would Win. We love you as a judge. And in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. And threads. And yes, I'm still on X, although I try not to use it very much, but I'm just holding on to my handle. And Cameo. I'm now making cameos. I got invited. Feels good. I am on all of those social media sites as Big Steve Moulton. That's M-O-U-L-T-O-N. Big Steve Moulton on Instagram. X, formerly Twitter. Threads. And now Cameo. And Ooh, I can't express enough how tough this decision was. I, I apologize to both of you, quite frankly. I'm sorry, Ray. I'm sorry, James. This was a tough decision, but it went the way it went. Heavy is the crown that the judge wears for the... I don't know how the expression goes. Pretty but yeah, close. Th- this is not an easy thing. It was close. Sounds good. All right, race to Canis. Another close battle. You had a lot of momentum coming into this episode. And again, it came down to the wire. Well done today. Tell the Legion of Audience our faithful fan base, where they can find you. I'm worried a little bit that maybe I made a mistake in this battle, not pushing back against the animal companion more. I didn't think it would actually matter at the end of the day based on my arguments, but hearing that uh, Aang would freeze him and the little, you know, creature would fly that out into the horizon, directly impacting the victory makes me second guess strategy there. But then I also think to myself, I'm perfect and I don't make mistakes. So obviously that can't be what happened. It must be the judge's fault in this particular case. Steve, I'm a fan, not a fan of what you just did to me. (laughs) I have to rethink some other things in my life because obviously this wasn't my fault. No, it's the judge who was wrong. That is that is the correct answer. You can, of course, find me on threads at AlmightyRay316. I've joined Instagram at AlmightyRay316 as well. What a wonderful app that is. So much better than the bird app, which is melting itself into oblivion. <laughs> uh, my Instagram basically consists of G.I. Joe collectors and um, and and actors who do projects I enjoy. There has and cats. It is basically a perfect social media site. Don't find me on the Twitterverse. Don't find me on the Dead Bird app. I will keep my name on there as well, but don't look for me there. Threads at Almighty Ray three sixteen. But you can't find him on Twitter slash X at Almighty Ray. All right. 
Just putting that out there, right? Listen, you can find me on Twitter slash X, whatever it is, Instagram, Facebook, by typing in at James Gatz. Remember to join the official Who in Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show. Any part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicanis, the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.